Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Tuesday, August 17th. Today on the show, the Nashville Predators re-sign goaltender UC Soros. We will hear from Chris Felica, the bear of college game day, to tell us exactly how someone can chase down Alabama in the SEC this year. But we begin with Titans practice at Nissan Stadium on Monday evening. I don't know about you guys, but I don't make any big financial decisions or really any decisions without doing a little bit of research and trying to acquire as much information as possible. And when it comes to your home, a massive decision, a massive financial decision like a renovation or a new addition, whatever it may be with your home, you got to have all the information to make a smart decision for you and your family. And this is where the Kingston Group comes in. They present you with all of the information on the front end. They give you the budget. They give you the timeline. They give you everything you could possibly need to make a sound and intelligent and maybe financially viable decision for your home and for your family. Henry, shut up. Check out the website, buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com, the Kingston Group. Make sure you talk to them before you make any big decisions about your home. The Titans practice on Monday night in Nissan Stadium with actual human beings in attendance. It was football players on a football field with football fans doing football things. That part alone was great, and watching and listening to people get to take in their favorite team, even at practice, was genuinely fun. And Mike Vrabel didn't just do a bunch of special teams walkthroughs for the roughly 7,000 people who were in attendance on the overcast evening. In fact, other than fans getting to watch their favorite team, the most memorable moment came when Ryan Tannehill connected with Josh Reynolds in team drills against the first team defense on a 50 or 60 yard skinny post. It was Tannehill's best throw of camp that I have seen. The coverage was nearly perfect and Tannehill dropped it in a bucket. Again, probably 50 or 60 yards in the air and Reynolds made a hell of a catch. It was the highlight of the evening. Otherwise, there were a few other things of note. As I mentioned, Julio Jones, Nate Davis, Ben Jones, Danico Autry, Darrington Evans, Kendall Lamb were all absent from practice. Jones sauntered out onto the field midway through, which, of course, the fans went crazy for. Safety behind Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker is an issue, as Matthias Farley, Dane Cruikshank, and Brady Breeze all missed practice as well, and newly signed safety Tedrick Thompson left with an injury. It is something worth tracking as the Titans continue to bring guys in off the street virtually every day at the safety position. The Titans also have an incredibly difficult decision to make at wide receiver, and every day practice goes along, that decision seems to get more and more difficult. Chester Rogers had another good day, but so did Cam Batson, so did Mason Kinsey. Nick Westbrook-Akine also had a solid afternoon, and rookie Des Fitzpatrick continues to fight the football. Jones, A.J. Brown, and Reynolds are the top three, but after that, any combination of guys is possible at this point. Rodgers, Johnson, and Batson have been probably the best three guys at camp, but I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, and it changes from day to day. Sam Ficken went 8 of 9 kicking on Monday, while Tucker McCann is still nursing his injury from Friday evening. A tiny injury like this could be all that Ficken needs to officially take this starting job. The offensive line is still just a giant concern from a depth standpoint, as the coaching staff continues to rotate guys all over the place, cross-train, and mix and match. The good news, I suppose, is that without Jones or Davis or Lamb, lots of dudes are getting lots of reps. The defensive line basically won the day again, and this was just helmets and shells. But again, they're getting reps. The Titans are traveling down to Tampa on Tuesday to practice with the Bucs a few times before Saturday's game. 
The practices are crucial for both teams, but I would not expect much on Saturday as head coach Bruce Arians of the Buccaneers said on Monday that most of his starters will probably not play. No one played in any preseason games last year, and the quality of football didn't really suffer all that much. So I seriously wonder how many reps coaches are going to give their starters across the NFL. Other than that, it was a fairly laid-back practice and really just an awesome opportunity for fans to get to actually go into Nissan Stadium and watch players do things on a football field. The preseason college football AP poll is out, for those who care, and Alabama is the number one team in the nation for the fourth time in six seasons. The Tide received 47 out of 63 first-place votes. Oklahoma finished number two, barely, with six first-place votes. Clemson was number three with six first-place votes. Ohio State at four with one first-place vote. And the Georgia Bulldogs at number five with three first-place votes. Texas A&M, Iowa State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and North Carolina round out your top 10 other SEC programs. The Florida Gators check in at number 13 and LSU at number 16. Ole Miss was 27th and Auburn was 30th. Those were the only other SEC teams receiving votes. And I will tell you right now, this is a huge mistake. The Kentucky Wildcats deserve to be considered in the top 25. Maybe even the Missouri Tigers as well. But a preseason poll is just that. It's just a preseason poll. It doesn't mean a whole lot, and it just creates some content for us to yell about on things like radio shows and podcasts. However, with Alabama starting the season yet again at number one and the defending champ, the question in the SEC remains, who can chase down the tide, if anyone at all? Chris Felica, the bear from game day, will be joining us on the Fringe Element podcast, our SEC podcast right here on the 440 Sports Network, coming out on Wednesday. Here were his thoughts on what he is tracking behind Alabama in the SEC in 2021. I, I think there are two things. I think number one is uh, can Texas A&M meet the expectations and the and the so-called hype that a lot of people have uh, for the Aggies this year when they get Alabama at Cal Field uh, in October in a massive game. And it's no secret that the Aggies' record in these big hype games where they're highly ranked and their opponent is highly ranked. It's not been very good. Uh, it should be an AM defense. It should be really, really good. It should be a really good running game. Is that going to be enough uh, to dethrone Alabama at Kyle Field in October? So that's number one. Uh, and then number two is what will Georgia look like uh, at least early in the season without uh, George Pickens at wide receiver and now seemingly without Eric Gilbert uh, for the time being, unless he's able to, to come back. Uh, I have high expectations for Georgia. A lot of people have high expectations for Georgia. Can the, the, the Bulldogs uh, beat Clemson or at least keep it close early in the year and then get back to the SEC championship game and potentially uh, earn their way into the playoff? He raises a great question. Is it Georgia or is it Texas A&M? Who has a better chance to catch and chase down and maybe beat Alabama? I think Georgia is the better team, but I think you could argue that Texas A&M has a better situation. They will get Alabama earlier in the year and at home. Maybe Georgia is the better team and faces them in the SEC championship game. But at that point, Alabama will be really, really, really good because they're in the SEC championship game. I think the hope for Alabama being dethroned in 2021 is for Texas A&M to pull the upset at home in College Station. If that happens, maybe we have a totally chaotic race in the SEC in 2021. You never know. Crazier things have happened, but it has been awfully quiet and calm this summer. And generally speaking, in the SEC, when that happens, things get a little crazy 
in the fall. If you would like to hear our entire conversation with the great Chris Felica, the bear from game day, please check out Fringe Element on Wednesday. Go subscribe today. You can listen tomorrow. And we've got a special announcement on that show as well as a third voice will be joining Fringe Element to talk SEC football for the entire college football season. A guy you're going to know very, very well. Again, that's the Fringe Element podcast. Go check it out everywhere podcasts are found. The Nashville Predators took a little bit longer than expected, but they came to terms with goaltender UC Saros prior to arbitration this week. The Preds signed their starting goaltender to a four-year, $20 million extension that is virtually identical to that of Mikhail Granlin. It will average out, of course, at $5 million per season. It might even be a little bit shorter, maybe a year or two shorter, and maybe even a, a little bit cheaper than some of us expected because UC Saros had all of the leverage. There is no other option for this Nashville Predators team. They had to sign Saros. Without him, they have no prayer of accomplishing anything over the next couple of seasons. They have a premier prospect who might be one of the best prospects in the entire world in terms of goaltending coming up through the pipeline, but he is a very, very young player and is still maybe three or four years away. So they needed someone, obviously, for the near term, for the short term. And UC Saros' numbers, when he is on, have been spectacular. He is among the league's better goaltenders. He could have been a Vesna finalist last year. He actually got some Hart Trophy votes for MVP. And at 26 years old, he is the guy in his prime right now to be the starting goaltender for the Nashville Predators. It gives this team a chance. If he is UC Saros of the second half last year, Saros has had moments where he has carried this entire franchise. They would not have made the playoffs last year if it was not for the play of UC Saros. Now, maybe some of the negotiating leverage that the Predators had here to get maybe a shorter and maybe cheaper deal is that UC Saros is not your prototypical goalie size. He's certainly on the small end, but that he really has not played a full NHL season as the starting goaltender yet at any point during his career. He's played 155 games, and he's played a boatload in the playoffs. He's only started 35 games in any one season. That is his career high for games started in a season. Some of that isn't his fault. The pandemic shortened season each of the last two years have been a factor in that. Is he big enough and strong enough to to face the rigors of an 82-game season where he might get 60 or 65 starts? So I think there are a couple of small questions around this, but that's really just about it. There was no other option for the Nashville Predators. If they want to contend for a playoff spot, and the Preds by all accounts are a bubble playoff team, they had to re-sign their guy. This is the only chance they had, and it's a really good deal for the team. UC Saros gets paid and may have an opportunity at the end of the four-year contract to do what he wants should the Preds have their guy coming through the pipeline. So, really big news, no arbitration hearing, no contentious yelling and screaming at each other in a hearing, none of that agent talk, just a good old-fashioned contract extension for the top player at the most important position for the Nashville Predators. Of course, a reminder that the 440 is brought to you every single morning for free. That's right, to you, for $0 because of the Kingston Group. My great friends over at BuildKG.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. They've been doing this work for over a decade in Nashville, and they are successful because they are trustworthy and their work is excellent. That's it. You can trust them, and they do great work. It's not much more complicated than that. The Kingston Group. Go to the website, BuildKG.com. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Please share the product, share the show, tell somebody about it. That is all that we ask. Thank you so much for listening again. My name is Braden Gall, and this has been the 440 for Tuesday, August 17th.
The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.